Jesus is speaking in a synagogue in Capernaum along the shores of Galilee. If you read your Bible, you see that uh, Jesus actually moved. His hometown was Nazareth. We all know that. But there came a point where Jesus moved from Nazareth to Capernaum, and Capernaum was the town where he lived. I had the privilege when I was, let's see, it was the summer after my sophomore year. I had the privilege to go to Israel, and uh, I remember going to Capernaum, and the remains, what they believe are the remains of this synagogue in Capernaum, were there, and we visited. And the cool thing I remember about the remains of this synagogue is that uh, on, the, on the top were of, of the, uh, uh, like a sort of a column area, there was a dove there. And I remember that very clearly. Anyway, Jesus is speaking in the synagogue in Capernaum. There's a large group of his followers listening. Jesus makes a statement that makes the crowd uncomfortable, and it even makes some of his followers uncomfortable. Here's the statement he makes, verse 51. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And here's the statement. And the bread that I will give is my flesh. And there's a little murmur that goes through the crowd. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus just said, we have to eat of his flesh. And that made some of the people there uncomfortable. What, what, what is he talking about? What, what in the world? Do you, you ever come to church and you, maybe you had a visitor with you? And, uh, you know, the pastor says something that you go, oh, pastor, please. You know, I know that's true. I agree with it. But could you please move on? And that's what happens here. Jesus is saying his disciples are around. There's a lot of first-time people there, a lot of people from the town of Capernaum. And Jesus said, yeah, if you want to go to heaven, you've got to eat of my flesh, just like the children of Israel ate of the manna from heaven. And I can see Thomas going, oh, Lord. <laughs> I, I, I get what you're saying, but, but did you have to say, I mean, my mom's here today. Did, did you have to say it that way? But, but here's the crazy thing. Jesus knows perfectly well that there's people in the, in the crowd that are, you know. So you know what he does? He says it again. And he doesn't just say it one more time. He keeps on saying it. Look at verse 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. And, and uh, well, I can hear one of the disciples say, Please, stop! There's visitors here. You're going you're gonna to drive people away? I get what you mean, but please stop! So what does Jesus do? Verse 54. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. I know there was this. I know because the Bible says that there are disciples just dropping their head going, oh, my goodness. This is not a way to be relevant to the crowds. Jesus, you're not being seeker sensitive here. You're not appealing to the general public here. Please stop. So what does Jesus do? Verse 55. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. And in case you missed it, one more time. Verse 56. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. 
Does Jesus know that he's making people uncomfortable? Of course he does. So why does he keep pushing it? Here's the answer. Why does he keep pushing this metaphor that keeps making people so uncomfortable? Because Jesus is building his core group of disciples. Say, well, is that a guess? No. Look at verse 61. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? You say, well, what does that mean? Well, wait a minute. Think about it. Did some of these people see Jesus ascend up where he was before? Later? They sure did. Acts 1.9. When he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. So Jesus said, well, you guys, does that bother you? You guys, what I just said there 15 times about eating my flesh and drinking my blood. Does that bother you guys? Let me ask you this. Um, how would you be if you watched me ascend to heaven where I came from? Well, some of those people standing right there did eventually watch that. Some of them did not. So some of them were not ready to see Jesus ascend. And others of them would never be ready to see Jesus ascend. Do you get that? Stay with me. We're not there yet. So Jesus, so when Jesus senses that there's this murmuring going on, he says again and again, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of, of eternal life. And he hears in the crowd, grumble, just like I'm hearing some candy wrappers right now. He hears in the crowd, He hears in the crowd murmuring. And he said, oh, understand every moment with Jesus. He was teaching. Jesus is never, when you see Jesus ask a question, he's never going, hey, what's going on, guys? Why is it? No, he asks a question to get them to search themselves, search their hearts. He said uh, what I just said. Any guys offended about that? Let me ask you, would it offend you if you saw me ascend to heaven where I came from? So what is he saying there? He's saying, some of you guys are going to see me ascend to heaven, but you're not ready to see it. Others of you are never going to be ready to see it. You say, well, what's so big about being ready to see Jesus ascend? You just stand there and watch. Wait a minute. Time out. The disciples that saw Jesus ascend, they went on to obey Jesus' instructions to tarry in Jerusalem, right? The disciples who saw Jesus ascend went on to obey Jesus' instructions to stay in Jerusalem until they be endued with power from on high. So Jesus wasn't saying you're not ready to watch. Part of what he was saying was, 
If you're not ready to hear some words that you can't handle, which, by the way, he explains in a minute, if you're not ready to hear some words that you can't handle, you're not ready to obey after I'm gone. What else did those disciples who watched Jesus ascend do? They went on to be in one accord in the upper room. The whole event at Pentecost rested upon those disciples, 120 people being in one accord. Jesus wasn't saying, you're you're not going to be ready to stand there and watch when the day comes. No, he was saying, you're not going to be ready after you see me ascend to heaven to go obey and to be in one accord. The same kind of disciples who would get offended at this metaphor. And Jesus knew he he was... pushing their limits by saying this. He did that on purpose. But he knew that the same people that would get offended when those limits got pushed would also be the same people that would threaten one accord in the upper room. What's he doing? He's he's cutting down the crowd. He is building his core group of disciples. By the way, He's not pushing people away from being saved. No, he is building a fit, strong, solid unit of workers. This 120 disciples is going to change the world for at least the next 2,000 years. You are saved as a direct result. This church is here as a direct result. Result of the spiritual fitness of those 120 Christians. And Jesus couldn't let just anybody be up there. So now in advance, in advance of his ascension and all of the events that were to follow, he said, I'm not going to cut down then. We're going to cut down here today. I'm going to cut down here today by giving you some things. That, that push a little bit and cause the nominal Christians and the nominal disciples to say, you know what, I can't, I can't take this. I refuse to. You know, I'm going to go out and start a blog and talk about why I used to be a disciple. I, I can't take this. I'm going to go on a talk show and talk about uh, why, why I used to follow Jesus. I'm an, I'm an ex-Jesus guy. And Jesus said, go ahead. Go ahead. Because we're building a fit core of disciples that are going to change the world for the rest of its history. And you're not going to help. If you can't take a strong illustration of salvation, then you're not fit to be in that upper room. The disciples that saw Jesus ascend, they went on to testify in full. They went on to testify. Whoo, that woke you up. They went on to testify in full faith that Jesus was risen from the dead. You go to the book of Acts, and everywhere the disciples went, they were saying, hey, you know that Jesus that they put to death? He rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. We're so used to hearing it, we almost don't hear it. This was revolutionary. He rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. I saw him after he was risen from the dead. How do you have the faith to do that? 
if you can't even take a strong metaphor in the preaching of Jesus. Was he pushing the limit of their, of their tolerance there? Yeah, oh, he was. Was he pushing their, their sensitivity to the, to the utmost edge? Yes, he was. And he knew he was. But he was using it to narrow down this core group of disciples. This disciples that saw Jesus ascend, they went on to work together to take the gospel to the entire known world. They went on to be persecuted for their faith. And I say once again, how can disciples who can't even stand there and hear something that they think is offensive going to endure when it's time to be persecuted for their faith? So Jesus, with love, allows them to walk away. See, I remind you again, some of these disciples in Capernaum weren't ready for all of that, but Jesus knew he could make them ready. Some of the disciples in Capernaum would never be ready. You'll find throughout the Bible that God has to cut back on the team. Gideon. Gideon had an army that was going up against multitudes of Midianites. And he assembled an army of 32,000 people. God narrowed it down to 300 and won with that army. You look in the wilderness again and again and again. God is cutting back the crowd, getting the Egyptian influence out of the children of Israel, getting the rebellious if influence out of the children of Israel, getting the, the unbelieving influence out. He did it at the golden calf. He did it at, uh, with, with Korah. He did it again and again uh, right after Balaam's blessing. He does it again and again where God says, you know what? The crowd, the, the Bible uses the phrase, the mixed multitude. There's too much. There's too much of, a, of an unbelieving spirit. There's too much of a murmuring spirit. There's too much of a critical spirit. And we got to cut back. Let me stop here and, and say this. It's not up to me to cut the crowd. And it's not up to you either. It's not up to me to go up to somebody and say, you know, I don't think you're helping things here, so I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Now, if you're openly doing things that are a violation of Scripture, that, that harm other people, well, then I, I will do that, and I have done that on a couple of occasions. But it was pretty extreme. But it's not up for, to me to go... Um, Allison, let me tell you something. Uh, I just, I, I think you're a bad influence on these guys. So we're not going to be able to bring you to church anymore. It's not up, for me to, up to me to do that. Now, if he starts bringing guns to church, <laughs> then, then I have to. I'm, I'm not talking about extreme behavior. I'm talking about it's not up for me to just go through the crowd and say, uh, I don't like you. You're, you're not welcome here anymore. No. God does it. Hey, can, can, have, do you have any memory? I do. <laughs> of guest preachers coming through once or twice and just preaching the daylights out of us and, and they're gone and you go, what just happened? <laughs> what, what was on his mind? <laughs> and, and I'll be honest with you, there's been a time or two where the preacher leaves and I go, 
What just happened? What was on his mind? What was he thinking? And then I look back on the meeting and I go, man, I, I prayed over that meeting. We had prayer meetings over that meeting. Why would God let this guy come in here <laughs> with a bad spirit just... And you know what the answer is? God knows what he's doing. Once in a while, God needs to give us something that's hard to take. Oh, I don't, I'm not in control of it. I don't want nothing to do with being in control of that. But once in a while, God says, you know what? This is a prayed over meeting. This is a prayed over event. I'm going to bring somebody in that, and, and we're, we're going to strengthen the core of people who are really in this thing and the people who are not, we're going to give them a re- The people who are looking for a reason to drift, we're going to give it to them. And that's what Jesus is doing here. Now, I want you to understand that as I say this, the message is not about, the message today is not about cutting down the crowd. The message today is about being being the crowd. When it's pruning time, I want to come away in that core. When it's time for God to say, all right, we're going to find out who means business. Sometimes it comes by way of, you know, a preacher like I just mentioned. Hey, it can come, and I don't want this to be true, but it could come by way of me having a bad day. You say, well, everybody found out today, pastor's human. If they didn't know it already, okay. I don't mean come to the pulpit drunk. That's his time to fire me when that happens. I don't mean that. I'm talking about, oh, man, pastor just got up today, and he, I mean, he just, something wasn't right. Maybe that's how it happens. Maybe it happens by somebody that we love and admire just having an absolute moral collapse. And one group of disciples says, I don't know why that happened. My head is spinning, but I'm not leaving Jesus. While some other disciples walk away and say, you know what? I, I've had all this. I'm not, I can't take any more of this. You know, I'm going to go start a Facebook page on, on why they're all a bunch of phonies over there. And, and Jesus says, go ahead. Go ahead. You're holding us back anyway. Because I want the folks that want to see a Pentecost. Let's keep going here because I'm going to show you that this is what God's doing, doing here. Jesus uses this offensive speech to trim his team. When God has to trim the team, I want to survive the cut. I wouldn't want to be one of those disciples in this story who wasn't strong enough to see Jesus ascend. But some walked away that day. Look at verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Jesus lost some disciples that day. And it didn't bother him. Oh, I don't mean it didn't break his heart. I mean, he didn't worry about the future of the work that he was doing because he knew exactly what he was doing that day. What is the difference 
between those who left and those who stayed. Verse 63, look at it. Verses 63 and 64. Jesus said, it is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, they are life. Notice what he's saying here. Do you get this? It is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh profiteth nothing. What has he been talking about this whole time with this offensive language? He's been talking about his flesh. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. When it's time to explain to his disciples why he's talking that way, he reminds them, hey, you guys know know this. The flesh profits nothing. So I could not possibly have been saying eat my flesh, drink my blood. Because the flesh profits nothing. I'm counting on you, he says. I'm counting on you to know that I'm talking spiritually. It's the spirit that quickeneth. It's the spirit that giveth life. Verse 64, but there are some of you that believe not. There are some of you that don't get what I'm saying because you don't believe that it's the spirit that quickens. All right, here's the bottom line. We're getting real close to the end. You say, you always say that about 20 minutes from the end, but (laughs) here's the bottom line. The disciple who stays with Jesus values the things that the disciple who leaves Jesus does not value. And Jesus gives three examples of that. First of all, the disciple who stays with Jesus values the life that only the Spirit of God can give. It is the Spirit of that quickening. The, the, the disciple who stays with Jesus knows that there is life. I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about just going to heaven. I'm talking about life. There is life to be had Every single day that can only be gotten through the Spirit of God. And the disciple who stays with Jesus knows that. There's something else that the disciple who stays with Jesus values. He values spiritual things over physical things. These guys that walked away, why did they get so worked up about Eat his flesh, drink his blood? Why did he eat his flesh, drink his You know why it bothered him? Because they worked absorbed they were consumed with physical things and they thought on a physical level the disciples who stayed they valued the spiritual things and Jesus goes down this very difficult road so that he can say all right the spiritually minded will stay the physically driven will leave Let me say again, I am not giving this to you today at all, God knows, in an attempt to say to anybody, hey, if you're not spiritually minded, get out of here. Not one bit. I'm standing with you in the crowd saying, oh, I hope when God cuts back to strengthen that core of spiritual disciples, Oh, I hope I just I hope I survive the cut and I hope you survive the cut. 
I don't want to miss out on the ascension. I don't want to miss out on the, on the upper room. I don't want to miss out on the Pentecost. I don't want to miss out on changing the world just because I'm more focused on physical things than I am spiritual things. Third thing that Jesus said they, they valued, the guys that got it, the guys that believed, the disciple that stays with Jesus values God's word over everything else. Jesus says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. What you value will determine how valuable you are to the work of God. Friends, if we are too full of this world's values, and this is one of the things that distinguishes a Bible-believing church from a lot of this modern stuff is that we stress, don't get caught up in this world's values. What are this the world's values? The lust of the flesh, which is the overwhelming desire to do. The lust of the eyes, which is the overwhelming desire to have. And the pride of life, which is the overwhelming desire to be. That's this world's values. And if you're consumed by them, there will come a day when the Savior, in love, it doesn't mean he's telling you, okay, you can't go to heaven. No, this is about disciples. Believers are one thing. Disciples are another. There will come a day where God is strengthening his core of disciples. And because you're so caught up in the lust of the flesh or the desire to have or the desire to do or the desire to be, that you're not going to see the value of staying with Jesus. You're not going to understand that only in him is life. You're not going to understand the importance of spiritual things. You're not going to understand that the words of Jesus are everything. We're almost done, for real. You want the proof that all of this is an accurate explanation of what was going on here? Okay, here's the proof. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. I'm talking about disciples, people whose names maybe eventually we would have known if they had stayed with Jesus. They're getting up, shaking their head, and walking out. I I don't get this. That was the most offensive thing I've ever heard. And they walk away and they're never again seen in a group that Jesus is teaching. And who's left? The people we know. Matthew. Peter. The Jameses. John. Thomas. Even Judas. And others besides them. But there's just a little group left and all these disciples are gone. And Jesus turns to them. And here's another one. Here's another question where it's not. Jesus turns to them. He says, wilt thou also go away? Um, Jesus wasn't turned to say, guys, are you going to leave too? No, it wasn't like that at all. This was a searching question. This was a search your heart question. He turns to the guys that stayed and he says, you going to go too? 
It's a moment of decision for these men and women, by the way. It's a moment of decision. Will you also go away? What is he saying? He's saying, um, when they left, why did you stay? And look what Peter says, verse 68. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the what? Words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. What is Peter saying? Peter is saying what Jesus said a few verses before. We stayed because we know where the life is. We stayed because we value your words. Peter may have been confused with the rest of them. Thomas may have been uncomfortable with the rest of them. But here's what they said. You know what? I'll get an explanation later. He'll tell us later what all that blood and flesh stuff was about. He'll tell us later. But I know this. Nobody else has the words of life. He's got the words of life. We're staying here. This is not, one more time, this is not a message about cutting back the crowd. That's the last thing I want to do. This is a message about me in the crowd with you looking to Jesus Knowing that every once in a while God says, no, we got to strengthen the core of disciples here because we got a job to do. We got, we got a city to reach. We got people to bring to Jesus. And he says, all right, I'm going to do some stuff that's going to make some people nervous. God says, I'm going to do some stuff that's going to make some people say, whoa, I don't know about that. You know, I don't, you know, I've heard them talk about that kind of stuff on CNN, and I just, that makes me uncomfortable. And you say, man, why is, why is God doing that? To find out if you're really hungering for the life that's only found in him. To find out if you really value the spiritual things. To find out if you really value the words of life. As long as you live, you're going to watch disciples of Jesus walk away from Jesus. And... You're going to watch other disciples of Jesus stay with Jesus no matter what. If you want to be a disciple who stays with Jesus, value what God values. Father, I thank you today.